0: Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the week, sanctioned by Steel City Collectibles. And now, this is the moment sports card fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Bringing collectors everywhere up to date, industry news, giving the inside scoop on product releases. It's the Steel City Scoop! Good morning, everybody. This is the Steel City Scoop Podcast, and today is Thursday, July 12th. This is episode four, and I will actually have two guests with me today. Um, the first one, <clears throat> excuse me, the first one will be Mike James, who is a trading card artist who has done work for Tops in the game Cryptozoic Leaf and more. Um, actually, had some recent work come out with 2018 Tops Museum Collection and with the brand new 2018 Tops Big League Baseball that just released on on Wednesday. After that, we're going to have Brad Johnson, who is the owner of the 2011 Mike Trout Bowman Chrome Superfractor. Um, it's graded PSA 10. are going to talk to him a little bit, see wh- how he got the card, why that card, what he plans to do with it, um, a little bit more. So definitely excited about today. Two guests. Uh, last week, we had our first guest, who was James Spence Jr., founder, president, and owner of JSA Authentication. Today, we have two guests with us. Um, I would say with Mike James, you're going to be familiar with his work, maybe not the name, definitely going to be familiar with the work from past trading card releases. Uh, we actually did a five questions with Mike earlier in the week, um, along with a five questions with Jake to Snake Roberts. So, definitely check those out. Um, a few of the questions we might duplicate today on the show, but want to make sure um, he gets some information out there uh, what he's worked on in the past, maybe what's coming up soon. And a little bit of history on his collecting habits and how he got into uh, the trading card art part of the business. So, actually, Mike is actually ready to join us. I'm going to go ahead and bring him on. Give me one second here. Good morning, Mike. Can you hear us? I can. Good morning. So, how are you you? doing today?
1: I'm super. How are you?
0: I'm great. Um, So, We Of course, we did the five questions with Mike James earlier in the week. You know, we do five questions. We ask a little bit of history about uh, your background in trading cards, if you've ever collected what you currently do with the industry. But kind of want to let you give a little bit of a summary as to, you know, if you were going to describe yourself currently, how you would, you know, describe what you do for tops in the game, CryptoZoke and all those brands right now.
1: Uh, well, right now, I sit in my basement all day, listening to records, drawing trading cards, almost exclusively. So I do commission work as well for people when it comes in, but it feels like every week, every two weeks, there's more sets sitting on my table.
2: Okay.
0: So it's
1: uh, I'm, I'm like a little machine, just pumping <laughs> just pumping them out. Now.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I can't say that I would complain about that situation, um, but I can see where... It, you know, probably gets a little monotonous, a little tedious sometimes, you know, and on my end, you know, I, I write about baseball cards and I look for information about baseball cards all day. So it gets a little tiring, I'm sure for both you and for me, but at the same time, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pick a better, uh, a better job to have and something that I enjoy every day. And I'm sure you kind of feel the same way about what you do.
1: Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, uh, most of the jobs that I do for the companies, it's fairly small amounts, which is kind of cool because it keeps everything always fresh, always new, right? I never know what's going to come up next, what sets. Because I'm not doing three or 400 of the same thing, it, it always feels like I can uh, keep my creative juices going with it, you
0: know? Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree with you because, you know, as we talked just a second ago on Mind, it's, you know, all the brands have different things going on. So just like you said, you never know what's going to pop up. It's always exciting you know, and there's always some surprises to get thrown in there. So wanted to talk with you about the newest release um, that you have some work in, and that's 2018 Topps Big League Baseball. I saw, and actually we included a picture of the Mike Trout uh, that was one of the cards that you had done. In general, you know, this Big League Baseball came out. Do you remember how many cards you worked on by any chance or how many players or Any numbers that go along with what you did?
1: Yeah, this one was a a bit different. Most of the sets, I just get sent a a bunch of blank cards. And there might be a few players or a few people that were not allowed to draw. Just, I guess, because of copyright issues or whatever. But this one, they actually gave me a checklist. Okay. So when they sent the cards out to me, they already had player names on them from each team. I think there there was 30 cards total. So I'm assuming that's one player from each team.
0: Most likely, and yeah. I
1: had to work from there. So these ones were actually done because I know they. I didn't know how it was going to come out, but I see that there's a caricature insert set. So I uh, I drew them to size, so each card was actually hand drawn, like right down two and a half by three and a half inches. And then uh, I guess there's the caricature set. I don't know what the odds are of pulling those. And then there's the one of one. The original art cards are also included in that. And then as uh, part payment from Tops, so I get to do a few artist returns that I can then sell, which is where the uh the Mike Trout I'm assuming you're talking about came from.
0: So explain the difference because the artist return that I, I would admit that's a new term for me and especially in researching what you've done, I've seen that you had mentioned that term a few times. So explain the difference between you know this the sketch or maybe I'm duplicating some terms here, but what's an artist return versus the one-on-one that might be in the packs versus the copies of your sketches that, you know, are the mass-produced inserts?
1: I guess it depends on which company and which set you're working on. Typically, like, uh, let's take 2018 tops for example. I would do a certain number that will be pack-inserted, all one-of-one hand-drawn. And then for every certain number that you draw, based on whatever contract I guess each artist signs or whatever company you're working for it, the company will give you an extra blank card that you can then do whoever you want to as long as it gets approved. And then that is one that you can sell on your own as part payment for your work on the set. So basically what that does is that, uh, the the way I take it, it allows the artist to decide how much time they want to invest in every card that they do and then price accordingly for their artist returns in order to compensate for doing the work on the sets, if that makes sense.
0: (laughs) So I don't want to, you know, I don't want to divulge too many personal details, but are you, is that considered your payment or are you paid and then that's an additional kind of bonus to the whole process?
1: It's, it's part and part. So I assume what it does is it allows the company to pay the artists, but have more work in the set. And then by them giving me the artist returns, I can charge what I want. I can command the price that I want to for those. It, it actually... The way I look at it, everybody ends up winning because the artists are able to do more work because they can keep the artist's returns for extra payment. The companies are able to put more art into the packs because they won't be paying as much because they'll be using those as part compensation. And then that means there's more art in the industry for the
0: collectors to chase after. Gotcha. Actually, that was a pretty good explanation. It it seemed like it all flowed and everything made sense. That was a pretty good explanation for that. Um, I don't, I didn't want to jump around and I didn't want to get too far ahead, but we asked you, you know, the five questions and your background in collecting and um, you had mentioned being a Kyle Ripken junior collector and then collecting some cards from your childhood, but trying to get them graded uh, Beckett or BGS 9.5. The one thing I wanted to kind of expand on with that was, can you name some cards that you're trying to obtain or that you have obtained as a Beckett BGS 9.5 or something that's, you know, on your list of, I have to have that eventually.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, The last big one that I picked up was the uh, 2001 SP authentic Albert Pujols. He was uh, probably number one on my list. I used to have it and I regretted selling it when I was younger And that's one that I always wanted back. It's actually, when I look at my list, most of the cards now are not high-end cards. They're the ones that I have the biggest memories attached to. So uh, the next one's on my list. I want to get Dave Justice, 1990 Leaf. Uh, I'm really chasing after the Chuck Knobloch uh, score rookie auto buyback. So I think his rookie card, if I'm remembering right, was 2001. 2001.
0: For knoblock, oh, maybe it's 91. 91.
1: 91, yeah. 91. So I think at 93, score came out with a buyback of his auto, and there's 3,000 out there floating around. They're signing gold on the front. They have a little hologram on the back, but it's proving to be super tough to find right now. I'm not sure if it's maybe because uh, there's not a lot of knoblock collectors out there right now, so they're all sitting in somebody's boxes. But that's probably the number one on my list to track down next.
0: I would but say that knoblock. Uh, I look is... at the whole list. I was just going to say, I think with that knob lock, it's, it's a little bit of everything where people can look at that 93 product and they probably think, oh, there's nothing in there. I'm not even going to open it. So it's probably sitting on somebody's shelf, like you said, in a box. that's never even been touched or, you know, oh, there sure are some. Like right. Because a lot of people forget that there are some, there's some hidden gems in that 90s. Everybody calls it junk wax, but you know, there's, there's some stuff that you can still find in there. So. That's probably what the issue oh, is it's, with your Chuck it's novel. my favorite stuff,
1: anyways. Yeah, but some of those early year, the inserts and stuff, some of those are my favorite cards from when we were collecting as kids because they were so hot. Everybody was chasing after everything back then, and even cards now that are basically valueless back then, twenty, thirty, forty dollars a card people were
0: paying for some of the stuff.
1: You know, yeah, and, now it's and fun you slowly totally trying to chase that stuff back.
0: You sound like you're probably around my age. I'm thirty six, and you know my fondest memories are. 90 tops and 91 score was always a huge one because it was a huge set. Uh, I think that was 800 cards. So you sound like you're probably in my age range and those sets have the fondest memories for me, you know, 89 to 93, probably. So I'm right there with you. Yeah, I think I'm
1: a, I'm a seven years older than you, but same deal. I started collecting in 89. Everybody was chasing after the Billy Ripken card. And I, I accidentally ended up with a bunch of Cal Ripken cards and no Billy Ripkins, And then I started collecting Cal Ripkin instead because I, I already had a stack of his cards. And then that's when I really got into it. I think everybody was back then, early nineties, chasing after the, uh, the Donruss elite series. Those are fantastic. Oh yeah, that was a big one. A lot yeah. of good stuff. Yeah. Uh,
0: the one thing I wanted to ask, we put a picture of it on the five questions, little, pamphlet thing that we put out and it's the Griffey baseball and I'm sure I can imagine you've gotten a ton of comments and uh applause I guess for that that piece of work but there's a Griffey and I don't even know if it's a drawing or a painting however you want to you can fill everybody in but that on the baseball and I think there might have been a Clemente one if I'm not mistaken Can you explain a little bit more about uh, that Griffey baseball?
1: That's actually what I started doing way back when I was in high school. I I had some baseball sitting there. My dad and I used to go down to all the Baltimore, Toronto Blue Jays games. We would go down and get autographs. And then I uh, decided one day to see if I could draw on a baseball, and it worked out really well. I could use pencil crayons and pencil. And I started doing it back, uh, I guess, when the Jays were – chasing after the World Series, I was getting tons and tons of orders for Alomar and Joe Carter and John Oleroo and all the the big names off the Jays. And then I ended up doing the cards later on. So the baseball, the Griffey one, I hardly do them anymore. It's just once in a while, but um, I I don't know. I use The Griffey, I believe, was that paint. Most of the time they used to be colored pencils, but once in a while if the leather gets older, because that ball was on an actual vintage early uh, 90s baseball. One of the
0: okay. ones. So
1: that one I painted on it instead, because by now the leather probably wouldn't take the colored pencil as well.
0: Right, right. That's that was but, my uh, first thought when you said that.
1: Yeah, off and on I do them. I'm sure the I'm sure the ones I did way back in the day, if you look at them now, they probably faded a lot if people had them out in the sun or something. But uh, yeah, it's not something I do very often anymore. Once in a while, somebody will commission me to do a piece like that. I used to paint on jerseys. I used to paint on baseball bats. Anything that I could uh, find that was different than the flat artwork.
0: To me, yeah, would and, I, and I was, you know, I had tons of art classes in high school and, you know, that was one thing I always loved to do, but to me, um, a round object like the baseball and a confined space, because you're doing that one side panel, that just seems like it would be super difficult, but that, I always thought that was impressive, and I want to say I saw that a few years ago as well, and then seeing it a couple of days ago when we did the interview, I just thought, man, I didn't realize that you were the one that had done that. And I thought it was so cool. Um, and I'm really surprised that you haven't gotten commissioned to do stuff like that for a release. You know, that seems like that would be a pretty cool piece to have a painting on one side and an autograph on the other, or, you know, something like oh, that. That'd be so,
1: fantastic. Yeah.
0: Right. So in going with the, you know, you've worked with all these brands, tops in the game, Cryptozoic, Leaf, um, I saw Walking Dead. I saw Ghostbusters, which I had to admit that's probably my favorite, um, the Ghostbusters work you had done. But how, do you, how did this all come about for you? Um, I saw one thing you had said is you were invited, but how did this start for you?
1: Uh, the very first cards I did was, uh, it was in 2003 um, when In the Game was around in Toronto, and I did a, uh, a hockey set for them called Brush With Greatness which was included in one of their products. And then I ended up going off on my own, doing uh, painted jerseys almost exclusively for a while. And then eventually I found my way to uh, working for Brian price again. And I ended up in the graphics department at in the game.
0: Oh, okay. but, uh,
1: yeah. So that's, so I ended up being in the graphics department, but he still had different art sets that he needed me to do different hockey ones and stuff. So I was doing art, started off with art in the evenings and graphics during the day. And then it turned into uh, art almost full time. I moved away from the city where in the game was. So then I started doing art full time from home. And then uh, eventually uh, I believe in the game ended up going to whistle to leaf or something. I don't remember exactly what happened with that, but I ended right, up right. Uh, getting contacted after all of that happened. I got contacted by cryptozoic to see if I wanted to start working on Hobbit. And then it just felt like, um, companies just started contacting me. I don't even remember how I ended up getting in contact with some of the companies. And then once, uh, once I was out there doing it full time, it just felt like it blew up. So I would get contacted, like I said, every few weeks, it seems like there's another uh, invitation comes out for another different set from one of the companies. So it it kind of, it it kind of just organically manifested into, uh, into what it is now.
0: Right. And I didn't, you know, you had told me about the end of the game earlier this week and 2003 and i didn't even realize until you were just saying that that you know you've been doing this for roughly 15 years and it's hard to i mean even going back to the 91 score you know there's art cards in there but it's hard to fathom that we've had sketch cards and all that kind of stuff going back that far and you know somebody can actually make a living full time to continue doing it for 15 years i i'm a little surprised but then at the same time when you think long and hard about it there the art cards have always been a big part of the hobby um so i to me that's impressive that you've done it for that long and i I hope that you can continue to do it for you know for 15 20 more years and that the hobby you know flourishes that much wanted to ask you two questions though i had said my favorite was probably the, the ghostbusters and for me that hits home as a child you know i bought that set um for me to personally keep no you know no real value in it it was just a sentimental thing that was always a favorite show as a kid but for you the two questions are is there something that sticks out to you that was your favorite thing or most enjoyable you know maybe not I don't want to say not your best work but maybe you didn't even care what the subject was you were just enjoying it the whole time and then the second question would be is there something that you haven't done that you are this like tomping at the bit to do as far as like right, a see. brand or a license?
2: The
1: biggest one I could think of that I, I was most excited about was probably the Hobbit series only because it was the, um, the first set that I was invited to do completely on my own when I opened my own business to do my art. So that one was pretty awesome to get the invite for it. And the characters were so fantastic. I had a blast doing those. Uh, I did enjoy Ghostbusters, but I made a big mistake because I only chose to do seven pieces of art plus one artist return for myself out of the whole set. And then mm-hmm. once I had the cards and I started looking at the pictures, I contacted CryptoZoic back to see if I could do more, but they'd already filled their artist list for it. So I kind of regretted that I only did eight of them in total because that one was a blast to work on. And... uh Sons of Anarchy, I was huge into Sons of Anarchy, and I know they uh, Cryptozoic did a set for them, and that's probably one of the sets that I really wish I could have gotten in on. And in terms of sets that have not ever been made yet, I would uh, I would be totally game for doing
0: Vikings. Oh, really? That's uh, an interesting love the one. I show. Something I'd uh, the imagined. characters are
1: so fantastic that I'd uh, love to be drawn those.
0: That'd be a blast. Honestly thinking about it, I'm surprised it you know, maybe it is already, but I'm surprised something like that hasn't uh hasn't started to be in the works, you know, maybe it is, but I've I've heard a lot of people that are huge fans of that show as well. So going back to you said big league baseball and you said you thirty, um pieces that you had done for that set yeah. how f- how far in advance do they give you the notice of hey you know we need these done by this day and then kind of going into that you know expanding off of that question how long on average because you've done this for 15 years you probably have it down to a science but how long on average does one card take i mean i'm assuming you have to kind of plan this out a little bit
1: well 100 percent. and it, it fully depends on which company and which set. There are some sets where it feels like you have months and months. Uh big with okay. baseball, we had quite a long time frame between when I finished the art and when the set released. And I think looking back at it now there's a few players that are not on the same teams anymore and they haven't been on the same teams for quite a while, but the set started so far back down the line right, that right. you know, some of that stuff's inevitable. There's been sets that I've worked on where the time frame the turnaround's been under a month. I guess it's just depending on what deadlines they have and when they need the work done by. So then from there, most of the sets, you're given an option of how many cards you can handle. So some of them might have a minimum. You have to do at least 30 cards. Some of them don't have any minimums at all, so it's just based on your schedule. So what I try to do is uh, I try to estimate two to three hours a card. That's sort of the the time frame that I try to go by when I accept my jobs. Once in a while, they have to be produce faster there's just no way around it there's too many cards to do in too short of a time and then there's certain ones where i, I try not to spend so much time on them and i, I just find myself I, I can't stop um i did star wars 40th anniversary i think it was last year
0: Yeah, I did some of the cards of that, that i
1: started working on once i started working on them I, I i couldn't they were just slowly building up and they were i was liking them more and more and i some of the cards i probably put four or five or six hours in on just to get them done. So, I mean, it's totally, and I guess it depends on the themes too. The museum baseball that I did, the backgrounds were a sort of a gray pink kind of feel to them. I didn't have to spend quite as much time on those because the backgrounds weren't there. There's other ones where I have to do a full background as well. So obviously right, more right. time spent per card. But estimated, it's probably two to three hours
0: a card. So you're looking, I would have I mean, we'll say a, b- a typical day for most people is eight hours. So you're probably looking two per, uh, two to three per day, roughly. Does that sound about right? Uh,
1: it depends. There's lots of times that I find myself after dinner, kids are in bed and I'm still up working <laughs> on various <Okay>. jobs. <laughs> you know, so it's, uh, yeah, there's days when there's lots of hours put into it. There's days when there's just less hours, I guess. There's other stuff because right. like, I do graphics. I do graphic design as well. We do commissions. So, I mean, it, it, there's always something going on, but I would say I'd probably put in a, put in a lot of evening hours as well to get it gotcha. done. And not so much because it's a necessity, but more cause I, I can't seem to stop. I just like drawing all the time. Right. So.
0: I guess it could be worse. You could, you could hate what you do, I guess, <laughs> what you do. So that is a good thing that you, you love. Uh, it's, it definitely sounds like you love what you do. Um, we talked yesterday uh, through email and you had said you had some cards from big league baseball that you were going to send us, you know, that we could give away. Wanted you to kind of give me some more information on that. And then maybe I can tell everybody uh, what to expect and what to look for.
1: Yeah, it's actually uh it's museum collection. That did I say that big
0: thing? league? I apologize. So
1: Yeah, no, that's okay. It's okay. Um, when, when we did the um, museum collection, we were given two different deadlines, so if we had art done by a certain date, we could send that in to be part of the um, canvas I think it was called canvas collection set. I want to say there were 50 cards as part of that set, and then uh, a number of different artists contributed to it. So I ended up with nine cards that were reprinted for that part. So Top sent me out uh, multiples of each of them. So what I can do is send you out a full set of the nine that I did, and I signed them, and I guess do what you want with the hose, give them away or, or whatever. So.
0: Yeah, I would definitely, uh, I guess we'll see what, what they are exactly when we get them, but, you know, maybe we'll do a couple of different contests for, uh, put two or three together or something like that and, uh, see if we can get some winners out there for everything. I wanted you to go ahead and plug, You know, your Facebook, your Twitter, or or even if you have a site where people can commission work. I wanted to let you do that before I let you go today.
1: Oh, pretty much the only place that I sell other than eBay would be uh, just Facebook. And it's uh, facebook.com slash mikejames.artist. And I also have an Instagram account, which is mikejamesartist as well, but I barely ever, I never seem to use Instagram. So it's almost all done through Facebook. But people can find me through Facebook pretty easily anyways.
0: Okay, actually I I thought maybe it was just the way that it was formatted. I saw some uh some pictures on Instagram. I actually thought more of the stuff was on there. Maybe I'm a little confused, but I saw I think that's where I saw the Griffey, so maybe that's what I'm thinking. But um, I post on Instagram, I just don't post that often. Gotcha. I find it's yeah, the, the same people that seem to follow
1: me on Instagram are the same people that are on my Facebook anyways
0: for a huge yeah, definitely. part
1: of it. So, you know, I just, I just tend to stick to Facebook for most of it.
0: Okay. Well, I appreciate you being here, Mike. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to you and anytime that you want to come back on and talk about what work you have going on, I, I invite you to come back, you know, just email me, let me know. I definitely want to ask it before I let you go for sure. Do you have anything in the works that you can talk about?
1: What do I have in the works I can talk about?
0: <laughs> hmm, I did that was a tough most one. Of the
1: times, yeah, well, most of the times when you sign, uh, you sign the contract, there's a lot of the sets you're not allowed to announce okay. that you're working on until the company is ready to announce that it's being worked on. So I have, uh, I think I have four or five different sets sitting here right now. I can say that I worked on Stranger Things, Okay. but I'm not sure when the release date is going to be. That's from Tops.
0: That's so pretty that soon. I want to say that's September, but I might be a little, yeah, I got little a off on that. Up.
1: Most of the time, I don't even know <laughs> when the set releases until I see other artists post their work on Facebook, and I'm like, oh, yeah.
0: I forgot I did that <laughs> So, I'll, you know what? I'll take yeah, that. Stranger Things, I feel like, is going to be <laughs> a bigger set for the non-sport fans, so I'll take that. That's a good good ending, good little sneak peek as to what's coming. Um, I appreciate you being here today. Um, like I said, anytime you want to talk about something that just released or you have coming up, anytime you want to talk to me, just let me know, and we'll definitely invite you back on for another conversation.
1: Yeah, we'll be in touch, because I, uh, I did my own card set last year. And I'm going to be working on another one very soon, but I, I haven't told anybody what it is yet. But once I get more details. Oh, you know details,
0: what? Go ahead and talk about that one because I, I completely forgot. I was thinking all about the top stuff recently. I completely forgot. Go ahead and talk about that one real quick.
1: Oh, what, the one I did last year?
0: Yeah, yeah. Because I saw – Yeah, the one I, I, I did see, last year. Do you still have any for sale?
1: I do. It was called Welcome okay. to the Show. Right, And it's a 20-card set of sideshow performers from around the world. And the way that I set it up is every set includes one card that's autographed by one of the performers as well. And then I had randomly inserted parallels. There's red parallels, like red-bordered ones, and then there's some mini one-on-ones and stuff inserted. So it was awesome to work on, and it was really cool because I'd never done a set before. And to try to orchestrate how to get it all signed, I was shipping cards all over the world. And we had uh, some of the people that were in the set were on tours in different places. So we had to try to figure out, orchestrate, how can I get the cards shipped out somewhere where they'll end up being on the road. So we had friends who set networks up to try to to get the cards out to the right places so that we could get everybody to sign it. So that was, uh, yeah, I had a great time doing that. So that one's still sitting there. I still have extras of those. And at some point, when I, I can get the time, there's going to be a series two because the first one was really well received, but I have another secret set that I'm working on. It's kind of in the same vein as that, but not exactly. Okay. But once I, uh, once I get a little closer on, on figuring out exactly what I'm going to be putting into the set, then I'll give you guys a shout back and uh, let you know what it's going to be. Cause I think it's going to be fantastic.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I would love to have you back and talk about that. Um, I did see the, the set that you were talking about originally and, I didn't realize that those were actual—I don't want to say characters. I might not be the right word, but I didn't realize that those were actual
1: performers. real people.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> I got—I got asked that a whole lot whether these were characters I had created or if they were actually real performers, and they're all—they're all real. So guys like the Lizard Man. is so the Lizard Man's fantastic, fully tatted up from head to toe now. Yeah, yeah I will definitely when I get format. back. I'm
0: gonna have to look that up. A little bit more and put some more research into that because I didn't realize that those were actual real people so
1: yeah and if you're a reader of things like Ripley's Believe It or Not not in Guinness World Records and stuff there's there's a lot of pictures of, of a lot of the, the characters in there so
0: all right sounds good so I appreciate like I said you know we tried to and that's a couple of minutes ago, we got sidetracked again, but I appreciate everything today. And like I said, anytime you want to come back, and we'll talk about the new set um, once you're ready to release those details and then anything that you might have coming up, you know, and maybe the Stranger Things, maybe that'll be a good time frame for us to reconnect and have another conversation. So thank you, Mike, for being yeah, here. Once and I can
1: share the art for that.
0: So. Yeah, absolutely. So I thank you for okay. being here, and we will you know, hopefully meet up again maybe in September, October, when Stranger Things comes out. Sure. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Have a great day. All right. Thanks. All right, guys. Our second guest is actually waiting in the queue. I wanted to go ahead and give a little preview first. Um, his name is Brad Johnson, and he is actually a collector. He's actually a collector in the Pittsburgh area. That has a Mike Trout, you know, earlier this year, a lot was said about uh, Vegas Dave's purchase of the 2009 Super Fractor for $400,000. So when I saw this card pop up, actually in a Facebook group, um, I was a little surprised that it was out there. And definitely wanted to talk to this guy and wanted to talk to the owner of the card and see, you know, how he got it, what his plans are. Um, and if, you know, if he was, you know, maybe going to reach out to Vegas, Dave, so we'll go ahead and bring him on to the show right now. Good morning, Brad. Can you hear me? You okay. Yeah, Jason, how are you? I'm doing great. So I don't know if you were able to hear that, that little intro or not, but I told everybody yeah, that you are. The, okay. So I told everybody that you are the owner of the Mike Trout Super Fractor. This one is actually the 2011, bowman chrome the nice thing about yours also is it's a psa 10 so everybody was talking earlier in the year and i actually did an interview with vegas dave about the purchase and you know there's tons of opinions about that interview out there but the the hobby the industry had tons of opinions about that price um four hundred thousand dollars for the 2009 Bowman Chrome autograph super factor of Mike Trout, you know, kind of considered the modern Holy grail. I didn't realize that the 2011 that you have was actually out there. How long have you had this card?
2: Um, I bought it this winter during the off season. So I've had it for roughly about six months now, five, six months, not that long. But, but since I, since I bought the card is when the sale of the, the 2009 happened. So that kind of worked in my favor.
0: Yeah, definitely. Because that sale, I want to say that was May, uh, mid-May. And definitely Trout's playing for 2018, how he's done hasn't hurt that card by any means either. Um, He's definitely continued his pace and continued to, you know, show why he's the number one player in baseball. I think most people would agree. But when you bought the card, was it already PSA graded?
2: Yeah, it was already PSA graded, um, and I actually got a little bit of backstory from it. So the guy I got it from uh, lived down in Dallas, Texas, and you know he didn't want to sell the card. He's kind of in it long term, and his son was having some um, medical issues. That's why it became available to to help pay for medical bills. Uh, But he actually won the card, and and I don't know the name of the product, but he got it in a buyback product about uh, two and a half, three years ago and has had it ever since. Um,
0: so when he got it, it was probably, you
2: know, it was a big card, but not what it is now.
0: Yeah, definitely. Do you, any chance you would happen to know what buyback product that was? I don't, I have his number. We're trying to work a a couple other
2: deals. I can certainly reach back out and and let you know, but I I don't know uh, the name of it. And it didn't ring a bell to me. I don't think they do it anymore.
0: Okay. I mean, there are a ton out there, so it's hard to tell. And there have been a few that have come and gone. And when you're talking two or three years ago, at least in our industry, you know, things change pretty fast. So it's hard to tell. But, um, you know, a lot was said about Vegas Dave and how he got his card and he went and they flew in from Taiwan or whatever. But wanted to ask you, how did you get your card? Was it mailed to you? Did you pick it up? How did that yeah, process kind of work out thing. for you? Uh, it's kind of the same thing. You know, you have somewhat of a stalemate. You know, I'm not going to
2: send the money without the card. So we right. uh, actually paid for his flight uh, from Dallas, and I, I met him at a, uh, out by the airport, and we just did the in-person exchange. She's a real nice gentleman. It, it went smoothly. Um, when you're buying something that big, it's
0: you know, it's always nice to
2: have the experience and kind of do it in person.
0: The one thing I wanted to ask you is, You know, for most people, Mike Trout is a highly investable player. I mean, his cards have continued to just go up and up every year. But for you, was this a card that you were pursuing? Did you stumble upon it? Was it just you being right place, right time? How did that all work out for you? Um, Yeah, I mean, my – you know, first started collecting a few years ago. I was playing around with all these
2: prospects. And you buy, you know, I was really in the Bowman Chrome. You buy their prospects and hope they go up. And you know, I was just kind of treading water and, and not doing much. And took a look at at Mike Trout. And, you know, he was 26 years old. He had a thousand hits already and 200 home runs already. And that's just you know, kind of unheard of. Um, so I actually had a, a you know, I. I search eBay every day for Mike Trout 101. You know, that's kind of what I collect. Okay. I collect. You know, the bat knobs, the the non-rookie card stuff that's a little bit more affordable, you know, and this is the rare one that kind of uh kind of popped up. Um and then we texted for a while and and, and finally got a deal done.
0: How long of a process do you think it was for you from initial contact to, you know, delivery of the card? Uh, I would say it was about a month. You know, there were definitely a few
2: other people interested in the card, but they, you know, you know, they would say a price. And then, you know, at the last minute, try to come in a little bit lower. They were unwilling right. to meet them. And, you know, I, I knew it was a, you know, I knew I had to act quick. That's why I said, look, I'll buy your plane ticket. Why don't you just come up here and, and we'll get it done.
0: So did you find it on eBay or did, was it through another Avenue?
2: Uh, it was through another avenue. A friend of mine okay. actually found it on a, on a forum somewhere. I, I think he had it. He had it on eBay. Uh, you know, simultaneously, but I didn't find it there.
0: I would imagine, as is probably the case with most high end cards, you know, if you're going to have something like this on eBay, you're going to get a hundred bogus offers and then one that's maybe slightly legitimate. So I can see where anybody that has that type of card is always going to be hesitant to you know, fly a few states away, you know, what could happen, not knowing that person. Um, Did you guys experience any issues with anything or any hesitation from the seller standpoint or anything like that?
2: Um, You know, he wanted cold, hard cash, and and we went to my bank, and uh, it actually wouldn't all fit in his backpack, so he had to take, um, you know, half, half cash and half a cashier's check, so... Um, that, that was really the only issue, but being that we were in my bank and he saw it coming right out of my account, uh, that made it a lot more comfortable.
0: So you've had the card roughly, I don't know, were we talking seven, eight months now? I think you had said, what are your plans to do with the card? I mean, I saw it on a Facebook group, um, that it was at least possibly for sale, but you know, what are your plans and are they set in stone as to what you're going to do with the card.
2: I mean initially when I bought it it was just kind of to hold long term, you know, I'm not like a card dealer like a lot of these guys I, I do it right. because I like it and I, I like, you know, especially the rare stuff and like drop stuff. Uh, I just like to hoard it and keep it in the safe deposit box and head down there every once in a while and you know, put more in. Um, you know, and I had I really had no plans to sell it, uh, but like we discussed when Vegas Dave sold the o nine for four hundred thousand, it kind of got the wheels turning. Uh, and then just last week, actually, a week ago today, my wife and I had our first child, so uh, finances always become magnified at the time like
0: that. So, um, yeah, definitely congratulations by the way. We talked about that too. Yeah, thank you.
2: So, um, you know, I think if someone wowed me with a price, I would, uh, uh, I, I would definitely move the card if the price is right, um, but otherwise I'm not, you know, in a big hurry uh, to sell it. I, I kind of, I posted on a few uh, Facebook groups out there and just to, you know, again, like you talked about on eBay, you get a lot of people that are not so much trolling, but just not making serious offers. Um, but I, I I'm going to be at national. Uh, we have a table up there in Cleveland next month, so you know, I figure it wouldn't be a bad thing to get a few you know, folks talking about the card and maybe come by and, and get a deal done. the Price
0: is right. Do you, uh, cause I mean, of course we're going to be at the national too, but do you happen to know, um, your booth number or anything like that or where you're going to be? You know, I, quite honestly, my business partner took care of all that. He booked okay. it all and,
2: and has did all the paperwork. I can certainly shoot you an email and let you know. Um, you know, we're uh, we all collect here in our office in Pittsburgh. So uh, we, we've been up there before, and rather than you know, lugging around bags and cases of cards, it, it'd be a lot better idea just to set up and, and have a home base up there.
0: So I have to ask because this is always, you know, a topic topic of conversation in my household, you know, with my wife how when you're dealing with this much money and where what could potentially come out of the sale of this card, how does your wife, significant other, how does she react to any of this or does she even get involved?
2: Um, she's, uh, she's shockingly not that involved at all. Um, I kind of do everything from work. Not that I hide it from her, but this is where I'm at all day every day. So this is where I get my mail. This is where I, uh, you know, keep some of my lower end cards. This is where I ship my cards. So everything kind of comes through um, here until it heads down to the safe deposit box. Um, So she's kind of, I don't want to say she's shielded, but she doesn't want to know, you know, it would make her sick to to know how much I spent on some of these cards and, uh, you know, she's well taken care of. It's not that, uh, you know, she's not well taken care of. It's just one of those things that, you know, the details, you know, I told her I was coming on, you know, a podcast, talked about it. I have this trout card, you know, right. uh, but as far as prices of these things go, I mean, it would, like I said, it would make her sickening. Which I would imagine. Uh, and, and it, I have our booth number at National. We're actually um, yeah. eighteen sixty eight, so definitely stop 18... by, say hello. Um I have a lot of nice trout stuff up there. My uh, business partner, his uh, name. Is Nathan? Uh, he'll have a lot. Of, he collects LeBron James. He'll have a bunch of a nice Lebrons there. And my other partner and good friend Adam uh, collects Connor McDavid. So we kind of all really went hard at our particular guys and you know get get the rare stuff
0: of those three. Definitely a good time for uh, LeBron James cards now that the Nationals in Cleveland and he's no longer there. Pretty so. Cool. <laughs> so, but what I wanted to, I was going to say about uh, the purchase is I can imagine with this being a higher end card going to a bank, somebody's find you know three or four states away, however many it is. This isn't the first time you've invested in something like this for that price. Is there anything else that you've ever you know flipped or something that you had bought? Uh, that you still have that you're kind of holding on to or anything like that that you'd want to mention?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I have some, uh, you
0: know, a handful of really high-end LeBron James
2: rookie cards and then some Mike Trout, uh, some color rookie cards, you know, some Sterling and Chrome, um, but nothing, you know, as crazy
0: and rare as this. right. Uh, Last thing I wanted to ask, you know, you're talking LeBron, you're talking Mike Trout, definitely established stars that as long as everything continues, you know, undoubtedly Hall of Famers. You mentioned being a Bowman, you know, a rookie chaser or prospect chaser or whatever you want to call it. Is there anybody that's, you know, maybe one or two years in, or maybe that just got drafted for any sport that you're considering maybe Hey, maybe keep an eye on this guy, or maybe buy two or three cards. Anybody that you're looking at personally?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the I think Trout and LeBron, they might be kind of once in a generation kind of guys, and that's why I'm really yeah, so I heavily invested in them. Um, the one guy, and, and being that he's from Pittsburgh, I'm kind of intrigued by him. And I I think uh, I don't I don't know if you're familiar with Brendan McKay at all, but um, he played here in Pittsburgh, got drafted by Tampa, and I think Otani kind of paved the way for him to play both ways. You know, he's still pitching and hitting in the minors, so and that kind of intrigues me. It's kind of like a Babe Ruth-esque—not um, that he would ever be that good—but I have uh, I have a nice stash of him just because I, I think it's interesting that that he plays both ways. It's just something you don't see a lot, and, and even for the last. A few decades when guys could do that, they weren't allowed to. You know, it's like you had a pick, or you know, going to pitch or hit. And right. Otani came up this year and did both rather successfully until he got hurt. So, so I think that may have paved the way for others to, to be given the shot.
0: Yeah, I, I would completely agree with you. I was surprised how long uh, they let Otani do that. I thought it would be, you know, maybe a month and then something would happen. But, you know, with the injury and him coming back and hitting first before pitching. And I think a lot of things were going to change. And honestly, I had heard of of McKay and kind of paid attention to him, seen some cards. I had no idea. And even being in this area, I had no idea that he was local. Yeah. uh,
2: I want to say he played at Blackhawk High School. I'm not sure about that, though. It
0: was somewhere around here. Which – I'm originally from Morgantown, so me being newer to the area, I don't know all the schools and stuff yet. So maybe that's why. But now I'm gonna have to, well, have to go back and look into this guy a little bit more. Um, so I'm assuming you will have the trout in person at the national. Um, is it something? You know, I, I personally I would be a little bit scared to carry it around with me. But is that something that you? are hoping to sell there or is it something you're hoping to just maybe talk to some people and maybe buy into some more things, you know, 200. What? So I want to go back. I don't want to say something before I get your permission, but do you want to say what you have asked for the card or what you think the price yeah, should yeah, be? Yeah, that's
2: fine. And I, I guess, go ahead. I guess I'm a hundred percent going to take the national. It'll be there. Um, and, and it is available for the right price. You know, for me to say I'm wanting to sell it, I don't know. It'll be definitely be hard to part with the card, um, just because I can of understand who that. he is and how r- right. how rare it is. Um, you know, and I posted on the Facebook groups for two hundred thousand or best offer, um, which after the after the '09 sale, like we discussed, I think that's pretty reasonable. Uh, so if someone came in there with with, with you know with enough cash and, and was serious about buying it, I, w- I would definitely sell it. Um, you know there's just there's a price for everything
0: yeah definitely and and the fact that yours doesn't have the autograph I don't think hurts it Um, I think being that it's 2011 it has the rookie card logo it's a nice card Um, I like the white the white border on it I think yours is I think that card's almost better looking than the 2009 unfortunately doesn't have the autograph but I can see and totally agree with you where the 200,000 is probably not a bad starting point in comparison to the Vegas Dave and some people might argue that the you know that might be a little inflated but the way that he's continuing to play and if we get 10 more years of this, you know, it 200,000 might be a bargain in 10 years. Exactly. So um anything else you wanted to mention about the card that I may have left out before I let you go? Uh, no,
2: that's it. I mean, it, it'll be at National uh, Booth 1868 KB Cards. Uh, I'd like to meet you up there, and you know, if anyone wants to stop by, and yeah, definitely, I will stop by,
0: and we'll be there. Oh, so, you know what? I did forget one thing I wanted to ask. You put it for sale on Facebook. Have you ever considered doing an auction, you know, through Heritage or somebody else like that? No,
2: I don't, I don't think so. I, it's just too much uncertainty and then you know you have to have to give up the consignment fee and all that you know when you're talking that kind of money I mean you're gonna be paying tens of thousands of dollars in fees right. that just doesn't seem like something I, you know, I'm not desperate to sell it so I, I, I just right. uh, rather do it direct and, and reap the full 100% of it
0: yeah I, I totally agree with you and you know like we said if he continues you know two or three years it might be better to even even hold on to it for that long and then Get rid of it then, but you know, I appreciate and, uh, you coming uh, on today. To Jason, Go ahead, yeah. One other thing JC mentioned in your uh
2: intro there, I heard I've I not talked to Vegas Dave. I don't know if he knows I have the card, I don't know if he'd be interested in the card, uh, but I have not talked to him. He hasn't reached out to me. Um, I don't have contact information for him, so um, that
0: to answer that question, you. I'm glad you brought that up because I had forgot that I had mentioned that. I'm really surprised. Um, granted, I'm sure if it was on eBay, I'm sure there may have been some contact, but being that it was in a Facebook group or anywhere else, I don't can't imagine he's browsing those websites, you know, for trouts. <laughs> right. I can't imagine that's happening. And then I even heard rumors that he's not even in the states right now, so it's hard to tell what's going on with him. But. Sure. Yeah, I will definitely stop by your booth, 1868 at the National. Um, I'm kind of curious, actually, to see if – I want to say it was Adam. I want to see if Adam has any of the Connor McDavid buybacks. Not for me personally, but just because we've been tracking those um, from the SP Authentic this year. So I'll definitely be stopping by your booth and check out the card. And anybody else that wants to stop by, please do. You know, if you're definitely looking for this trout, this is the place to go, and I can't imagine – you're going to have a ton of people around your booth all week up there. I hope so. should be fun. <laughs> yes. That should work out well for you, Brad. I appreciate you coming on. You know, if we do get a sale out of this card at the national or anytime soon, you know, please let me know and we'll bring you back on to talk about the sale. What's next and, you know, maybe anything else in your collection, but I appreciate you hopping on with me today. No problem, Jason. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed our interview today. Definitely some different perspectives. You know, Mike James is an artist that has done work for multiple brands, um, definitely has some stuff coming up in like he said and some other sets that he can't talk about yet. So I would say you're going to see some more stuff from him 2018 19 and continuing continuing on from there. Uh, Brad, like we just talked about, has this Mike Trout 2011 Bowman Chrome. It's the PSA 10 Super Fractor. Like he said, he's going to be at the National Booth 1868. You can see the card there in person. Um, two other friends of his will be there. I think he said KB Cards. Uh, booth 1868. We're going to have some LeBrons for sale, Connor McDavid. So definitely stop by. I would advise you to stop by early in the day because I would imagine that booth is going to have a ton of people, at least window shopping, but they're going to want to see the Mike Trout for sure. And then if there are some other high-end cards, it's going to be a crowded booth. So definitely stop by there early. Speaking of the National, we are, of course, going to be there. Booth 655. Um, like I said last week, we're going to be there 6:55 directly across from Pinini, who is 6:43, and right beside Leaf, who is 5:55. Upper Deck and Tops are just, I want to say, a couple blocks away, but that's, you know, a couple booths away. So Upper Deck is a little diagonal from us, and Tops is down just the a little bit from us, just down the road at 10:55. Upper Deck is 3:43. More information coming soon about our redemption program for the national. Um actually might have that coming out next week. We'll see. Um I think they're finalizing or maybe have it finalized already. Um wanted to talk about the podcast. I appreciate everybody tuning in. This is episode four. Like I've said before, you can listen to us live. Typically it's on Fridays, but I think that may change. Um, just because it seems to be, if I'm out of the office, I'm out on a Friday. Going to the Chantilly show this weekend in Virginia. Stop by and see Steel City Collectibles. We're going to be there looking for our booth numbers right now. Let's see here. Steel City Collectibles, we are going to be booth 606 to 614, and those are the even numbers, and then boost 615. So we will be there all weekend starting tomorrow. Chantilly, Virginia. Um, The show is July 13th through 15th. And getting back to the podcast, like I said, Fridays, typically at 11. This week was Thursday at 11 because I will be going to Chantilly tomorrow with the rest of the guys. It's possible that we might move this to a Thursday weekly broadcast for instances like this where i'm out on friday i'd rather just keep it on the same day instead of having to move it around so we'll see what happens you can listen live on blog talk radio or you can listen to it on demand itunes overcast podbean stitcher TuneIn in radio um, any of the other podcast apps that you might have please subscribe and subscribe to the steel city scoop blog as well tons of news coming your way from the blog website. If you subscribe, you actually get emails of everything that we post. And I don't want to say everything like you're going to get bombarded. You're going to get maybe two or three emails a day. You're going to get our deal of the day on Wednesdays, and you're going to get our new feature, Dave's deal of the day on Friday. Dave is one of our um, sales account managers, and he picks a weekly item that he likes to feature as a deal of the day. Got a pretty good one coming up on Friday. Actually, I'm probably going to buy a few myself. You'll see why once you see what we have in store. Uh, That'll pop up at noon on the website, on Twitter. If you subscribe to the Scoop, you'll get the notification as well. At noon on Friday will be Dave's deal of the day. It's a pretty good one, and it's a really good price, actually. So definitely check that out. Uh, One thing I want to mention, we have this segment called Five Questions With. It's on Still City Scoop blog. This week we did two. Typically we do one a week. Past guests have been, you know, Toronto Blue Jays outfielder Rob Ducey, former Toronto Blue Jays outfielder Rob Ducey, um, Greg Va- Greg Vaughn. I wish it was Greg Vaughn. I'd like to talk to him too. We did an interview with Greg Vaughn. We did an interview with David McCarty. Uh, David McCarty was one of the top prospects in 19, I want to say 91, 92 for the Twins. Uh, we did one with Rich Klein. Did one last week with Evan Mathis, who was part of the Eagles. He was part of, not the band, but the football team. He was part of the Broncos, Super Bowl 50 um, championship team. The seller of the Mickey Mantle 1952 Tops that sold for $2.88 million. So definitely some good some good guests that you'll want to check out. We asked them questions. I'll give you one of the questions. Um We asked them five questions. We kind of tried to correlate their careers with collecting. Um, And some of them like Evan Mathis are collectors, some weren't, but it's interesting to see their viewpoints. One of the questions we asked, what were your thoughts, if any, on collectors pursuing your autographs and memorabilia during your active playing days? You know, we get guys that say, I liked it. I was a collector I appreciated the fans. I feel like if the fans are pursuing my autographs, that means I'm valuable or that means I made it. It's always cool to see different answers from different people. Um, Jeff Montgomery was one. He was a pitcher for the Royals in the 90s decade. Um, But like I said, we did two this week. We did a five questions with Mike James, and he talks about a little bit of a repeat of what we talked about today on the podcast, but he talks about, collecting as a kid and collecting Cal Ripken. And he talks about his brush with greatness set as the first set, show some images of his artwork. There's a Jeter image, some Ghostbuster stuff. And actually that Griffey ball is on there that I was talking about. So you can see that picture as well. If anybody is a Griffey fan or a nineties baseball fan, go check this out. It's our five questions with Mike James, the picture itself is worth checking out the, the, uh, Interview. The other one we did, pretty big name, pretty interesting guy, definitely a legend in the wrestling business. We did a five questions with Jake the Snake Roberts this week. Um, actually, I'm trying to get a five questions with Diamond Dallas Page, and with Page being a little all over the place for his DDP yoga, all over the place in a good way. Um, traveling, going to events, kind of been hard to nail him down. So Instead, we got Jake the Snake Roberts, Diamond Dallas Page. We will get that one soon, hopefully by the end of July. But Jake the Snake Roberts this week, everybody knows Jake the Snake Roberts, even if you're just a casual wrestling fan. You know, he was huge in the 80s with his Snake Damien, a huge part of the WWF, now the WWE. He answered our five questions, and the one that surprised me the most was, what athletes from any sport did you idolize as a child, His answers included Willie Mays and Juan Marichal. And I did not see that one coming. I will 100% admit that one. That one surprised me. So go check that out. That's five questions with, like I said, subscribe to the Scoop uh, blog. You'll get all this to your email. You won't even have to do any work. It'll come straight to you. Last thing I want to mention, if you do like the podcast and you do want to listen to it, and you have an Amazon Alexa device, all you have to do is say, Alexa, play the Still City Scoop podcast, and it will play the most recent episode of the podcast. I bought an Echo just to try this out, honestly, but we have it in our house. I tested it out. It works great. The one thing I didn't test out is if you can play previous episodes or if you can say, hey, play episode 3 or episode 2 or episode 1 or whatever you want to listen to. It will default and automatically play the most recent one. So as soon as this one's uploaded, this will be the most recent one, episode 4. But that's all you have to do. Alexa, play the Steel City Scoop podcast and you can listen to me talk to all these interesting people. Um, not sure what we have going on next week yet. I have a couple people that I think are going to be on the podcast but i don't want to confirm that yet so hopefully by the end of the week or over the weekend i can but a couple more people that are um involved with some manufacturers i think is what we're going to have so not going to name any names in case they fall through but i think we'll have two more interviews for you next week that you'll be excited to uh to listen to so subscribe to the podcast subscribe to the blog follow us on twitter scc trading cards follow us on or i guess like us on facebook and then follow us on instagram instagram is also scc trading cards thanks guys for listening tomorrow this weekend we will be at the chantilly show the csa show in virginia and then coming up in just a couple weeks we will be the national booth 655 so definitely check us out any questions comments feedback anything like that let me know hit me on twitter hit me up on email facebook whatever it is let me know what you're thinking let me know what you'd like to hear let me know who you'd like me to interview you know whatever you want to hear on this podcast please let me know because i do it for you guys i do it for me because i love talking to these people but You know, more importantly, I'm a collector still, even to this day, I want to do things that are interesting and I want to know what you guys think is interesting as well. So I want to do this so that everybody enjoys every episode. So any feedback like that, let me know. Rate the podcast, please give us a five star rating, leave us a review. Every time you do that, it bumps us up a little bit. More people can find it. We get a broader audience, and then it's a win-win for everybody. So thanks, guys. Thanks for listening, and I will be back next week, most likely on Thursday, but we will see for sure. Um, I'll let you know, and have a good weekend. Thanks.